The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm supposed to preach right now, but let's just take some time and just stay in this moment. Just say thank you. All that we have has come from him. All that we are is because of him. He is faithful. No matter what we are going through, no matter what trials, as Rebecca just said, he is the giver of, of good gifts. He is the one who keeps us day after day. He's faithful. The sun, the moons, and stars, they praise him. So let's join in with creation and praise our God. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for your mercy that is new every morning. Lord knows we need your mercy to be new every morning. Lord, day after day we fail. Lord, day after day we, we fail to be faithful. But Lord, you have never failed to be faithful. And, Lord, because of that, Lord, we just say thank you, and we just stop what we're doing, and, Lord, we just lift our hands to you in worship and praise because you are the one true God. You are the one good God, Lord. We just say thank you. And, Lord, now as we turn to hear your word, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you use me. I feel weak right now. I feel tired right now. But, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that your word goes forth. I pray that I decrease and you increase, Lord, that we may see you, Jesus, high and lifted up. I pray this prayer and ask these things in Jesus' name. And, and all of God's people say, amen, amen, amen. So, y'all, just to catch y'all up real quick, I spent the past four days in D.C. And just to give y'all a heads up, um, if you ever travel with Michael Davis, do not let him book your stuff. He booked my wrong hotel. I didn't have complimentary breakfast. That was that was the first mistake. And then my flight back, I guess he chose cheapest option, and um, which meant I had a three-hour layover in Atlanta, and my plane didn't leave until 10 p.m., and I didn't get back home until about midnight last night. And I was in the airport typing on my little keyboard trying to write this sermon, so, so pray for me. Amen? Amen. Amen. But, but um, b- before we look at our verse today, um, I want us to quickly remember, as we continue the book of James, who, who James is writing to. And in James, verse 1, James tells us that he is writing to a group of believers who are now dispersed. They are now scattered, and they are scattered because they are experiencing heavy persecution. Because of the radical message of Jesus, because of their faith in Jesus, they are now being persecuted. And there are several historical accounts that give us details about how they were persecuted. Some believers, because of their faith, they were dragged into the arenas with thousands of people watching, and they were given the chance to renounce their faith to say Jesus isn't real, but they stood with great faith and said Jesus is Lord, and in front of thousands of people, they was fed to lions. There are uh, accounts of believers who were 
beheaded like the Apostle Paul. Some were crucified like the Apostle Peter. And some were even burnt alive because of their faith in Jesus. So because of this heavy persecution, believers have been forced out of their city, their homes. They have been forced out of their security, their comfort. And now they are living scattered, living in poverty, living with constant fears and anxiety about what is going to come tomorrow. And many now, because of this persecution, are even beginning to question their faith. They're beginning to ask the question, is this really worth it? Is following Jesus really worth it? And as we heard last week, James begins this letter by quickly encouraging them, by reminding them the purpose of trials, that we are to consider it joy when we go through, through these trials because God is using these trials, these moments to mature us, to bring us into completion. And as Pastor Richard said last week, that God uses these trials as tests to strengthen our faith and to teach us to depend upon him and these trials, these tests, these temporary moments of suffering come into your life, not as a punishment by God, but as a means of God's grace to strengthen you, to make you more complete. But these early Christians are um, not just asking the question, is it worth it? But a new problem has arisen. Because they are now living in a new land surrounded by new people. And these new people don't have the same way of life that they have. They, these new people have a different God. They have a different set of morals that they live by. And these new people are now beginning to talk to these Christians saying that, saying that instead of following your God, maybe you should follow your own feelings and your own desires. Because isn't it really your God that got you in this situation in the first place? So maybe you should come over here and follow our gods. Maybe you should stop following God and just really do what you want to do. These early Christians are beginning to be enticed and tempted to adopt sinful habits, beliefs, and pleasures. They have gone from dealing with trials that, that God uses to build our faith and they are now dealing with temptations which Satan used to destroy our faith. And this morning, as we continue in, in the book of James, we are about to see that James is not only trying to encourage these believers to hold on during these times of suffering, but now he is telling them to hold on and, and remain steadfast through these temptations. Because James is aware of, of everyone's desire for love, comfort, and peace, and satisfaction, and power, and stability. And he knows of everyone's right now temptation to believe that, that our fulfillment, our satisfaction can be found outside of God's way. But now he is reminding us to remain steadfast. And if I had to give the big idea this morning, it would be simply this that your earthly desires are good. I want you to know that our earthly desires are good because this is how God has made us, but they will only be fulfilled when you get what God wants for you. Our earthly desires are good, but will only be fulfilled when you get what God wants for you. 
not what you want for you. So now turning to the book of James, let's begin reading it at verse 12. And it reads as such. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Why? For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Instead, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. This is the word of the Lord. We say thanks be to God. Now, first things first, if you are hurting emotionally, spiritually, physically, and your pastor come to visit you to give you some words of encouragement, what do you not want to hear? I don't know what you want to hear, but I'm pretty sure you do not want to hear your pastor walk in the room and say, count out all this joy. It's going to be all right. Just get through this and hold on and then walk out. That's probably not what you initially want to hear in your times of trials and your times of persecution. So why does James start off this letter to these persecuted people? And this brings us to our first point. The very first thing I want us to get this morning is that there is a reward at the end of the trial. There is a reward at the end of the trial. Let's look again at verse 12. I know Richard um, spoke on this for the past two weeks. And just to let y'all know, Richard, Pastor Reeves um, preached verses 1 through 18 last week. I was assigned verses 12 through 18. So when he was preaching, I was like, hold on, bro. You're stealing some of my points right now. I don't know, I don't know how that overlap happened. But, but, but as, as Pastor Richard read for us last week, verse 12, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, When he has stood the test, passed the test, hanged on and not given up, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to to those who love him. See, James, I know many of us, you know, we like our our counselors and our therapists to, you know, listen to us and, you know, kind of give us a soft answer. But right now, James put on his coach hat. James goes into his coach mode, and he says that, hey, you have to hold on and hold on to the hope that you have. And the hope that you have is the promise that God has promised you that when you do hold on, you will receive the crown of life. And this crown isn't referring to a literal crown with diamonds around it, but the word um, refers to the reward that the uh, winner won at the end of the race. So what is your reward when you hold on and remain faithful to God. It's this. This is the crown of life. It's the hope of glory. It's it's the ultimate rest and peace. It's, It's everlasting life with the Father of the universe. 
It's, it's, it's no more curses, but blessings. It's, it's, it's no more poverty, but prosperity. It's no more sickness in our bodies, but perfect new bodies. It's no more sin, but, but perfect holiness. It's, it's perfection. It's everything that we long for. And I need us, and I need to be faithful to the book right now. I need to be faithful to James because James is not sugarcoating anything right now. James is not saying, hey, guys, just, just hang on in there and, and everything is going to be all right. James is not just simply saying, um, follow Jesus and everything is going to be all right. James is talking to his team right now and saying, hey, it is hard right now, and I know it's hard right now. In fact, it might get even harder before it gets better. But no matter what you face today or tomorrow or next week, I need you to hold on and remember to the reward that you are living for. That this earth is not our home. That's why our brothers and sisters who, who were just burnt at the stake, they died singing, smiling. Even though they was being burnt alive, they died looking up to the glory because they knew that they was about to receive the crown of life. This is James putting on his coat shirt saying, I need y'all to hold on. I know it's hard, and I, but, but, but I believe that we as Christians, sometimes our problem is that, is that we, um, we have the wrong perspective. We, we only see today. We only see tomorrow. But I believe we have to train ourselves to have an eternal perspective. We have to train ourselves to think about eternity. We have to train ourselves to think about the reward at the end. Um, like, like for some of you who, 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 who are trying to be faithful to your diet, right? Adriana and, and Brenda, I know y'all trying to do right right now. I'm proud of y'all. Um, 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 when, when you are trying to be faithful to your diet, you don't wake up and, and picture fried chicken. Emily just showed me a new donut. It, it had some brisket on top of a donut. I said, I said, I don't need to see nothing like that. That's an ambulance right in the happen, right? And 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 but 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 when you are trying to be faithful to this diet, what do you set your mind on? You set your mind on the end goal. You set your mind on the scale numbers going down. You set your mind on, I, I want to be healthy for my family. You set your mind on, on how I'm going to feel better at the end. So this temporary moment of suffering um, 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 is, is, is nothing in comparison to the greater reward that is to come. Um, I played football at Arkansas State, and my freshman year, we sucked. I'm just going to be real. I ain't going to try to sugarcoat it. We sucked. Um, and the team sucked the previous years before that. And at the end of my freshman year, the head coach was fired, and a new coach come in. And I'm never going to forget the very first practice. At the end of the very first practice, he called us up into a circle. And you know, we, you know, football, you always got to jump up and down and be hyped. You know, we beating on our chest and getting hyped, coach hyping us up. And then coach said, he held up his hands, and he said, do you see what's in my hand? And we was like, uh, nothing's in your hand, coach. And he was like, do you not see what's in my hand? I'm holding the championship trophy right now. I am holding the trophy. Do you want to hold the trophy? And we like, yeah, we want to hold the trophy. Though we the team getting hype. And, and then he said, to hold this trophy, there are some things you're going to have to go through. 
He said, there's going to be some adversity on the way to this trophy. There's going to be some ups and some downs. But no matter what we go through, we have to keep going to get this trophy. And all summer, we trained and we suffered and we went through things. But, but the whole time as we were training, we had our eyes set on the reward that was to come. And at the end of the season, we held that trophy. And, and y'all, and y'all, we as believers already held the trophy. Because Jesus has already defeated the enemy. Jesus has already conquered death. Jesus has already claimed the trophy in his hand. And he has said, I have gone away to prepare a place for you. And your reward is waiting on you. There are gifts with your name on it, but first, all you have to do is hold on to me and keep your eyes fixed upon me. Um, um, but, but there is a problem. There is something that keeps us from fixing our eyes on Jesus. There is something that keeps us from holding on to him. The problem is instead of setting our eyes on Jesus, we are drawn away by our desires and, and our temptations. Look at verse 13 with me. It says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. See, James is the leader of the Jerusalem church, literally, and, and, and he's the leader of the council of Jerusalem. So what does this mean? This means that James has heard many people complain, and he has heard of their many failures. And I'm pretty sure James have heard some people say that the only reason why I keep sinning is because God himself is tempting me to sin. And this isn't a common way of thinking. Um, this isn't new to, to humanity because we see this first with, with, with Adam and Eve. God told Adam, don't, don't eat this fruit. We know the story. Eve brought the fruit to Adam. Adam ate the fruit. And when God said, Adam, what have you done? What did Adam say back to God? He said, the woman that you gave me tempted me to eat this fruit. He looked at God and said, the woman that you gave me, God, it's your fault that, I'm, that I was tempted. You are the one who gave me this woman. You are the one who put me in a space to eat this fruit. And he overlooked the fact that, that God actually gave him the whole world, but just said, stay away from this one thing. But he looked at God and said, God, it is you. It is your fault. Now, looking back to today, we see these same words still being spoken today. God, you are the one who made me this way. So it's not my fault I keep saying it. You are the one who gave me these feelings and desires, so I must act on them. It's your fault because you keep putting me in these situations to fail. God, it's your fault. But not only do we say it's your fault, we now say because, God, you have made me this way that, that I have these natural desires, it must be okay and acceptable. So since you made me this way, I it must be okay in your eyes. Therefore, I am free to live how I want to live and act upon my desires. 
So now instead of surrendering to God's word, we go out to find a voice that affirms and validates our actions and feelings. We now live in a world where we have so many different type of people, preachers, fake preachers on YouTube, that, that, that you, you can find anyone who will affirm and validate you as speaking from God to live exactly how you want to live. But you have to be careful with that because you really have to say, am I really um, surrendering under God's way or am I just trying to live exactly how I want to live by myself? But James quickly, I love it, he quickly takes away the possible reason for God being the source of, of, of our temptation. He said, when you are tempted, don't, don't look at God because God doesn't have the capability or the capacity to, to, to be tempted by evil. And nor do he tempt you with evil. What does this teach us about God? This teaches us that God, to his very core, he is good. That God is not someone who, who, who is in the shadow waiting for you to fall. He doesn't find joy in watching you mess up. He doesn't find joy, but instead he is good. So where does our temptations come from? Satan, Matthew 4, 3. Jesus says, Satan is the tempter, right? Does our temptation come from the world, everything that we live in? Does our temptation come from the person sitting beside us, our neighbor, our co-workers, our, our, our classmates? Where do our temptations come from? James says, your temptation doesn't come from God. Your temptations doesn't come from, from Satan or the world or anyone else. But your temptation comes from you. You are the source of your temptations. Look again at verse 14. He says, we are tempted when we are lured and enticed by our own desire. And this leads me to my next point. Desiring is good, but some desires will lead you to destruction. Desiring is good, but some desires will lead you to destruction. James says that you are the reason for your temptations, not the devil. And if we can be real, the devil can only use what our own desires are to try to tempt us. Like, you can't tempt me with no banana pudding because there is nothing in me that desires banana. But if you bring out some fresh baked chocolate chip M&M cookies, oh my, it's going down. Because that is what I desire. So even though Satan is the great tempter, he can only use what is already inside us to tempt us because we are lured away by our own desires. And I love the imagery that James brings here. He says that, 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 that you are enticed, you are lured, and that word entice speaks to that of a fisherman baiting a hook, trying to entice a hungry fish to, to, to come grab his hook. But I don't know how many of you are fishermen in here. I just started last year. I'm trying to I'm step my game up. And y'all, LG has never caught a fish in his life. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there. I ain't hating on you, my boy, but I'm just keeping it real. Uh, uh, but, but, but fish are smart, and fish are not just going to go up and grab a hook. So what does a good fisherman do? A good fisherman grabs a worm, and he, and he puts the worm on the hook in such a way as to hide the hook. And when he throw the worm out in the water and he begins to reel the worm back in, the worm is just flowing in the water like that. And, and, and the fish now are being enticed. They are now being lured by something that they think is good for them. But 
it's this lie of thinking that it's good for you, but when you get it, it's actually bringing them to their death. And y'all, um, our church office, many of you might not know, our church office is right beside Slider Inn. Um, I, I hate to say this story because I don't want to bring down the restaurant, um, but it's right beside Slider Inn. And last year, when um, the um, pandemic started and everybody was forced to quarantine, our office shut down and Slider Inn shut down for a couple months. And uh, when we finally reopened, I was, it was one day, I'm in the office by myself, and you know how you just kind of feel a presence behind you or around you, and you turn around. Um, I was in the office by myself working, and I felt this presence. And I turned around, and a rat ran by my feet. I ain't say a mouse, I said a rat. And... Um, you know, I ain't want to panic, but I was there by myself, so I called Richard, and I said, hey, man, we got a problem. I ain't want to scare the team, so I ain't tell nobody else but Richard, right? So the very next morning, we was in the office having our weekly staff meeting, and in the middle of our meeting, a rat ran out and ran right towards Richard, and y'all, he is 50-something years old, and you would have thought he was 15. The man jumped 10 feet in the air. Um, I turned around, Adriana jumped on top of her desk, Michael Davis started screaming. It was just a crazy scene. And like, hey, we was like, we can't do this, Richard. This is the, well, we was like, we, we ain't signed up for this. And Richard went to Home Depot. He bought about 15 mouse traps and about 100 pounds of um, rat poison. And he came in, he came in, he said, I'm about to get it. We said, Richard, can you call a professional? He said, I got this, guys. I got this. And to his defense, y'all, no lie, the very next morning, we walked in. It was like four or five rats dead. And, and we was happy. We were like, that's it. We got them all. The next, but the next day, there was this one rat, little ratatouille. Little ratatouille just kept running out. And we couldn't get this rat. Every Every day we came in, checked the rat traps. We literally saw his teeth mark, and eat. he was eating from the rat trap, but he was not getting caught. So Richard took some poison, put it in the peanut butter, thinking that he was going to eat the peanut butter and eat the poison. And the next day, we saw teeth marks in the peanut butter, but he still didn't eat the poison. And then, man, one day I walked in the office, there was little ratatouille dead in a trap. And again, I called Richard. I said, Richard, you got to come up here because I don't know what to do with this thing, man. <laughs> and I'm really scared if I'm being honest. And I want us to think about what killed this rat. Did Richard kill this rat? Did the rat trap kill this rat? Did the poison, did the peanut butter kill this rat? This rat was lured and enticed by his own cravings, his own desires. This rat knew exactly what this poison was because it saw it kill half his family. <laughs> I was being serious. I'm not trying to be funny. <laughs> but he was lured away by his own desires. And, y'all, this is what James is trying to 
the serious message that James is trying to teach us. That, that you may think you are comfortable with your sin. Because temptation and sin has a way of just creeping in, into your life and becoming normal and becoming okay. I'm okay because I'm not like those people. It's okay for me to gossip. I'm not out here living like them. It's okay for me to lie because I'm not living like them. It's okay for me to flirt with this person who I'm not married to because I'm really not hurting anyone. But James is trying to warn us of the danger of temptation. Because, because temptation says that, that it might be okay today. It might give you a little pleasure today. But he says that, that it's actually growing like a baby in a mother's womb. And what temptation gives birth to is nothing good. It gives birth to sin. And sin, when it fully comes forth, brings forth death. And you may be thinking, I'm living in my sin right now, but I'm still alive. So how does sin bring forth death? Sin destroys your relationships. Adultery and marriages, lying and friendships, sin destroys your character and your integrity. It destroys the favor and blessing that God has over your life. And finally, sin destroys your relationship with God. That, that, that because of our sin, that we are literally separated from God facing the final death. But yeah, um, there's, there's good news. And the good news is this, that desiring is good and desiring points us to the one and only who can satisfy them. Desiring is good, and our desires points us to the one who can satisfy them. Now look at verse 16 with me. It says, Do not be, conce do not be deceived, my beloved brothers, because every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of, of his first fruit, of, of his creatures. See, temptation over-promises and under-delivers. It promises you life and fulfillment, but gives you disappointment, destruction, and death. And I want you to know that this sermon today is not a message that is judging you or condemning you, but this sermon is a message of love and compassion and concern, saying that I know the the trials and the struggles that, that each one of you are going through. I know you are being tempted to, 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 to um, flee from God, tempted to walk in, in this sinful lifestyle, but this sermon is a message, a plea to tell you do not be deceived, but to hold on to the truth. And James says the truth is this, that God is the father of lights that he is the one who is holy and pure and righteous, that he is the father of lights, meaning that he created the sun, the stars, the moon, and that James said that he is not like a shadow that changes over time, which means he will never change, that he is the one, that he is the rock on which you can stand. And verse 17 also says that he is the giver of every good and perfect gift. It comes from him. So every desire that we had are only met and fulfilled when we surrender our desires to the Lord. I can't help but think about Psalms 37, verse 4, that says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. See, God being the father of lights means that he is the creator, and he created you. 
And he created you with desires. And by creating you with desires, he created you in such a way that your desires will only be met by and in him, not by and in the world. And, and, and before I sit down, I want us to, to get happy off this. That God tells us what his desire is. He tells us right here what his desire is. His desire is for you and me to be the first fruit of creation. Now, I got to break that down real quick because, you know, first fruit ain't, ain't how we talk in America, right? So the first fruit was the best of the best. That, that when you brought your first fruit as an offering to God, it was you giving your very best to God. It was you giving your most prized and treasured possession to God, the best of what you had, the best of your time, the best of your crops, the best of your wealth, the best of whatever it is. And that's our first fruit, giving it to God. But God said, my desire is for you to be my first fruit. My desire is for you to be the best of the best. In everything that is spectacular in this world and all of creation, you are more important than that. You are more valued than that. And that teaches us that God wants to have an intimate and close relationship with you. That, that he says that you are my treasured possession. I will be your treasured God. And this is the good news because we are not saved or loved by God by our attempts to resist temptation. But even in our failures, we are saved by his grace. That God himself calls us to him, and just as temptation gives birth to sin, which gives birth to death, God says that you who are dead, I'm going to give you new birth, and now you are now my first fruit. You are a new creation. And what does that mean for many of us here who have really placed our faith in Jesus? That means that we don't live how we used to live. Even though we still have these bugs tapping on us, tempting us to go back. God is saying that you are a new creation. You are mine, and I am yours. And we need to see God's love showering over us right now by saying that above everything in this world, I love you, I want you, and I desire you. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to Sade Carter, and she told me she just had her second child, and she said she was scared because she didn't know if she had the capacity to give this child the same amount of love as she gave the first one. She thought to herself, how can I, how do I have the love in me to love another human being like I love my first child? And she said when that baby was born, something, something transformed in her. She said when Emmanuel was born and the doctor gave, gave him to her and she held to him, she said she just began to cry. And she said in that moment, she felt this new sense of love that I never knew I had. And she felt the love that, 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 that she knew that she had to now give to this child. And yeah, I want us to see that, that God is crying down over us. That he is not the God who is sitting high above looking down on you in shame and disgust and disappointment. But God is the God who is above crying down over you with love and affection and admiration because you are his first fruit. You are his. And, 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 and it's through this love that, that, that we are able to endure it's through this love that we are able to endure trying times 
It's through this love that we are able to say no to sin and yes to God. And I want us to notice before I sit down that God is not trying to restrict you from living your best life. But he is actually trying to lead you to live your best life. Because as we walk this world, as we live in this world, as we watch TV, as we see these reality shows, as we get on social media, we are always seeing pictures of people whose lives look better than ours. And many times these pictures are, are, will lead us to a lifestyle that we know is contrary to God, but sometimes we get back home at night and we think, is living for God really worth it? Is, are my struggles with sin really worth it? Am, am I really as happy as, as I can be? And God is saying, don't be deceived. Because that temptation, that sin is actually leading to your downfall. It's leading to destruction. It's leading to death. But hold on to me. Hold on to my unchanging hand. And that's when you will find true life and the crown of life. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we just thank you for your faithfulness again. We thank you, Lord, that you are our ultimate reward. We thank you, Lord, that you are the giver of life, the, the giver of good gifts. And, Lord, we thank you for giving us your one and only son, Jesus, who came, bled, and died so that we may have true life with you. But, Lord, he didn't only die. He got back up, finishing and confirming our hope that we will get back up to, Lord, and that we do have a home in heaven. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you keep us, Lord, that we are weak, but, Lord, your grace is sufficient. So, Lord, I just pray that you be our Father who covers us, who keeps us, who leads us and guides us. I pray this and ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The invitation this morning, um, indeed, is an invitation to life. It's going to feel like death, but it is an invitation to life. If Jesus is your only hope, if you know that he is your only way, uh, this table's for you. If you're still kind of in that middle of trying to figure it out, um, then I ask that you stay at Downtown Church and you keep figuring it out. I would love to talk to you. I know Sergi, Michael. Uh, Michael Rhodes, any of us would love to talk to you and process and walk with you. Um, if you're at that point today where you're ready to say yes to Jesus, this table's for you. Uh, feel free to come and eat and drink in faith. But if you um, know that you're not ready, please don't partake of these elements. The scriptures say instead of it being kind of a step forward, it'll actually bring um, cursing in your life. We do not want that for you. We want what is best. But as we come this morning, let us come with hearts full of Jesus, hearts needy, hungry, thirsty for Jesus. That's what this table's about. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is for you. And after supper, he took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We are proclaiming the 
the Lord Jesus lived, died, rose again, and is coming back again. That we have hope, that we know the end from the beginning. And this hope pushes us forward. This morning, may we come to the table um, hungry for Jesus and willing to receive him. I'm going to ask that our elders come, and you are going to be um, released by row. We have people that are going to come up each row. And so let me pray for us, and, and we will begin. Father, we pray that you will indeed bless uh, these elements to um, the good of your servants. Father, we pray that indeed you would strengthen our faith, that you'd be present among us, Lord. Continue to work in this service. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may come. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you for the imputed righteousness of Jesus to our account. We thank you that we are your sons and daughters, that you set us free from sin, that we might battle it now by the power of your spirit and the power of the gospel. Oh God, I pray that we would leave this place today empowered to do just that, to battle sin, that we might love you and love neighbor, that we might be elements of justice and mercy and goodness to our neighbor, to those in our own household. God, do that work among us, we pray in Jesus' name. And may we stand for the benediction. Dear friends, the Lord bless you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Go in peace, dear friends.